Hello and welcome to Conversations in Economic Central. Today, I had the pleasure of interviewing Adam Crichton. Adam is an eco- economist who writes for the Australian newspaper and also contributes quite regularly to Sky, Australia, Sky News Australia. It was an absolute pleasure to talk to Adam and to get his view on what's happening in our economy, why it's happening and what the prognosis is for our short and medium time times ahead. So without further ado, let's get over to hear what Adam had to say. Okay, Adam, so I'll start with my first question. Now, GDP for Australia in quarter three, 2021, was minus 1.9%. What do you think the GDP figure is likely to be in quarter four? Do you think it's likely to be negative or a small small positive and, and why? Yeah, well, look, I suspect it's probably going to be positive. And the reason I say that is because over the years I've been writing economics for the Australian, yep. I find the GDP figures tend to be better than than people expect. And indeed, yeah. uh, throughout 2020 and 2021, I think we were all surprised by yeah. the fact that GDP did not fall as much as we expected, certainly yeah. nothing like in Europe or the US. Yeah. So... You know, I know the treasurer, Josh Frydenberg, likes, you know, saying the economy is resilient. And I used to make fun of him for that. But yeah. he's kind of been right on that yeah. score. So, so look, I think it will be, you know, it'll be positive. Yeah. Um, yeah. Of course, population growth is really slow in Australia at the moment or basically non-existent. Yeah, it is. Uh, because there's no immigration. So that's, that's a headwind, if you like, to use the lingo. Yeah. But I still think it'll be positive. Small positive. Okay, so that'll be good news. And we won't enter into a second recession. That's right. Hopefully not. Now, um, unemployment is very interesting at the moment, particularly, well, around the world, really, but particularly here in Australia. Now, we've we've got to 4.2%, which for us is technically below our full employment. Why is the situation in the labour market perhaps a little bit more complex that these headline figures suggest, do you think? Well, look, I think it's because when these theories were written hundreds of years ago or, you know, 100 years ago, the labour market was very simple and basically yeah. everyone was unskilled labourers pretty much. Yeah. And so you could look at the whole labour market essentially as one labour market, but more and more uh, with high level of different skills required for different mm. jobs, it's really many different labour markets. Yeah. And so the overall unemployment rate is not necessarily very informative, I don't think, yeah. about what's happening in the economy. Yeah. Um, because you've got high school workers where there might be really high demand and wages are going up. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's a lot of people who are delivering food or driving cars and their wages are not going up for other yeah. reasons. So so the headline rate, of course, it's, you know, it's a good thing to have a low, yep. a low rate of unemployment, but it's not necessarily telling you what's really happening overall. So what do you think the main challenges are for the labour markets at the moment? Oh, well, in the Australian case, I mean, the level of regulation is just extraordinary. And it's always amazed me that the rate is as low as it is, given that you have these incredibly complicated industrial awards, which apply to, I can't remember the share, but there must be something like a third or half the labour market, a lot of people. Yeah. And it's so complicated. Businesses often, you know, they they break the law without knowing it. Yeah. Um, Oh, sorry. I just, I'm back. Sorry. Um, So, uh, yeah. Regulation, I would say, is the biggest challenge. And, you know, the other unfortunate one, I would say, is the increase in the superannuation levy, Mm -hmm. which is going to go to 12%. That is going to reduce people's wages, ultimately. You know, it's going to reduce their take-home pay. Yeah. That's just just logic. So I think that's another problem for workers too. Yeah, because that leads me to my next question is that we've got this unemployment falling, but yet we're not seeing wage growth. Why do you think that is? Well, two, well, there's a few reasons. I mean, I think this has been a story not just now, but for 10, 15 years. Uh, economists have continually forecast inflation, but it never happens. Yeah. Uh, even at very low levels, 
of unemployment, as you say, mm-hmm. I think it's because of automation. So right. if workers, you know, if workers threaten to leave, then they'll just get robots instead. I mean, that's kind of simplifying the situation, yeah. but that's kind of basically the case. Mm-hmm. And also our economies now are so globalised that there's yeah. so much manufacturing abroad that same situation again, if workers complain, well, the company will just move its manufacturing abroad. So mm-hmm. so the bargaining power of workers is a lot less than it used to be, basically. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Now, um, over the last couple of years, we've seen government borrowing on a scale that we haven't seen in peacetime, really, not even with the GFC. What do you think are the implications of this huge government borrowing, both in the short term and longer term for economies? Well, the short term, thankfully, there haven't been many ramifications at all. We've still Mm. got quite low interest rates. I know inflation's ticked up, but, you know, the Australian government, the American government, all the governments of Europe Mm -hmm. have borrowed extraordinary astronomical Mm. sums i mean it's all been largely um money that's been created by central banks kind of out of thin air really yeah uh but nevertheless it's still borrowing of a sense uh, in a sense so so far so the short term so far no consequences but you know long term it's quite scary because if interest rates ever do go up for some reason uh governments will find their interest bills go through the roof and that will have huge implications for the amount of money they can spend on health and education and defence. Yeah, and I think that's probably what people don't quite understand is that they've got a pot of money and if the amount of the pot that they have to use to pay off debt goes up, it gives a less of a share for exactly. the things that are important to the economy. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, so do you think in the longer term it, people will see some implications on their own standard of living? Well, well look, I mean... The best forecast now is that interest rates are going to go up five to six times this year in the US. Yeah. And if that happens, that will have a massive impact. I mean, it's only going to mean rates go from zero to one and a half or something like that, or at most 2%, which historically is very low. But like I say, the level of debt is so enormous Mm. that that will still have a massive ramification. And it will also see asset prices come down. House prices will fall, share prices will fall as the market adjusts to the higher interest rates. And, you know, they're very big movements. It's very hard to forecast what what the overall outcome is going to be, especially for young people like your students who are thinking about, you know, their first job maybe in a few years. Yeah. It's very hard to know what it means for them, frankly. That's not very helpful. But Well, oldies like me, I haven't got too much to worry about, I don't think. It's the younger people, isn't it? It's the next generation that we need to be concerned about. Now, um, you've you've mentioned already about inflation and it's ticking up around the world and and you know even old people like me haven't seen you know what you'd call proper inflation in my yeah. sort of memory yeah. lifetime um what what do you think is causing this inflation and do you think we may enter a period of stagflation uh well look i mean there there are two schools of thought and there's the stagflation thought if you like that mm-hmm. um you know that will have high inflation and high unemployment Mm. Uh, but I think I think I think the other school of thought is that we may have lower low employment sorry low unemployment which yeah. is good yeah. but we also might have very very high inflation too mm. um, and it's seven percent in the US which is the highest in forty years and that surprised right? everyone yeah. right yeah. I mean the last and and it's not just it's not just being dragged up by a couple of items I mean if you if you take out the uh, price of petrol and so forth yeah. and gas, it's still 5.9%, which really? is wow. a lot. So it's not just, you know, it's food yeah. going up, it's cars yeah. going up, it's everything. Yeah. So uh, look, that's that's very interesting. The same thing's happening in the UK, 5.4% inflation. And Australia's kind of lagging behind a bit with 3.5%, but mm. 
um, you know, I'd be surprised if all Western countries don't see a sustained bout of inflation yeah, in the high single digits. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it sounds innocuous, high single digits, but if you have that for a few years and you've got, you know, $100,000 in the bank, then it reduces the value of that $100,000 a great deal. Yeah. So, it, you know, it makes people poorer. Mm. So it's, you know, it's not a good thing. And history tells us that whenever there's high inflation, people get very, very angry because unlike yeah. unemployment, which only affects the unemployed, mm. inflation affects everyone. So Correct. everyone gets very angry. Yes, yeah. you do. I think there will be some very angry people actually yeah. not to see it manifest itself. What do you yeah. think is causing it? What do you think is the main... Oh, sorry. Yes, I, I know that. Well, look, uh -huh. this is, you know, this is like the this is the million dollar question or maybe the billion dollar question because of inflation. Yeah. But uh, look, I think I think central banks have pumped so much money into their economies that there aren't enough, good, you know, there are too few goods chasing all this money. So the prices of everything start to go up, you know, um, because at the end of the day, Governments can create money out of thin air. The central banks can. That's what they do all the time. Yeah. But if they create too much of it, which mm. I think they've probably done, especially in the US, yeah. then it, then then that just you know flows through to prices and all the prices go up. Yeah. So I think that's probably what's happened. What's caused it? Yeah. yeah. Well, now you, you you touched on there about this printing of money. Can you explain to our students how this printing or creating of money, as it is in today's world, causes inflationary pressure? Well, it's uh, look. I mean, it's it's a hard question, and, and the interesting thing is, you know, the level of cash in the economy, which is what people think of, has actually been falling. Like, yeah. people yeah. don't use cash much anymore, no, we don't. No. and it's and it's been in a steady decline. So there's no printing of actual notes. That doesn't happen. No. no. Uh, but but what happens is the government issues a bond, and the central bank buys it. Mm. Well, sorry, I mean, I simplify slightly. The private banks buy it yeah. from the government, as they yeah. as they always do. Yeah. And then the central bank buys it back with new money. So it shoves new money at the private banks yeah. and in return, it takes the bond and just holds it. Mm. Um, so there's an enormous increase in the balance sheets of central banks. Uh, and that money eventually finds its way into the economy, you could say. I mean, there's a lot of the money that's been borrowed has been spent on cash handouts to mm. families and households around yeah. the world and they're yeah. spending that money. So they're boosting demand and that is lifting prices. Yeah. But... You know, it's easy to get carried away with the printing of money and say it's going to be hyperinflation. I mean, the fact yeah. is most of this new money is not really out in the economy, yeah. if you like, yeah. just on balance sheets. Yeah. But nonetheless, you, you clearly think it's a bit of an issue. Oh, yeah. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Yes. No, I do. I do. And, you know, I think, I think, I think uh, the conventional wisdom has underestimated how long it will uh, take to get into the economony. But I think it's happening now. And, yeah. and worrying. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would I'd agree entirely, I agree entirely. Now, you've mentioned interest rates rising. What does that mean for people? You, you've said it will erode, you know, living standards and what have you, but what does it really mean when interest rates, central banks' interest rates rise? Well, I think the biggest impact now, because we're in economies that, that, are, that are so impacted by asset prices, whether it's houses or shares or whatever it is, yeah. uh, that when interest rates go up, those prices go down. <clears throat> That's just kind of an iron law of economics. Right. Um, and and we're going to see what happens when that occurs on a like on a big scale. Mm. Uh, so stock markets around the world are still at record highs. House prices are at record highs, and the main reason for that is because interest rates are almost zero. They are, yeah. Um, so that process is going to is is going to start to unravel and go in reverse. Yeah. And so that's where the impact on the economy is going to be felt. I mean, of course, in the like in the first instance, if you've got money in the bank, that's great. You get paid more interest. Yeah. But 
most people don't have much money in the bank, yeah, so, so 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 it doesn't help most people. I think most people are actually hurt by higher interest rates because they tend to be borrowers, not Correct. lenders. Yes, particularly younger people. Yes, you know that who have indeed, got indeed, indeed, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So interesting times ahead. Do you think, Adam? Yes. Yeah, look, I think it really will be a very interesting yeah. couple of years. I mean, it's not just the economics. You've got possibility of war with Ukraine, and that could completely yeah. destabilise the global economy. Yeah. The oil price will go up even more. Mm. You'll get even more inflation. Yeah. Um, and then there's the whole China situation. Yeah. You know, that's a big unknown. And, yeah, you. but but the, the main economic issue is you've got so much money sloshing around the economy. And what does that mean? And what, and what and what ends up actually occurring? And you know the smartest economists in the world completely disagree on these questions. So, so it's very hard to know what the real answer is. There's yeah, so many yeah. theories out there, but only one yeah. reality. Correct. Absolutely, I would agree entirely. Now that leads me on to my my final question, which is: What do you think are the significant issues facing both the Australian economy and the world economy in the short term and the medium term? Um, well. Um, so let's talk about the Australian economy first. Look, yeah. look on, I think, I mean, Australia is a very lucky country. It always will be because yeah. it has a beautiful climate and it's isolated yeah. and educated workforce. It has a lot of people who want to move there. So yeah. it's so it always has the potential to have huge immigration yeah. to prop the economy up whenever there's a problem. Yeah. Um, so it has a lot going for it. Uh, but I would say the risk in Australia is kind of stagnation because it gets mm -hmm. very lazy yeah. and they introduce stupid rules and regulations. Yeah. And if something ever happened to, you know, the price of iron ore, which is our biggest export, Absolutely. or the price of coal, our second biggest yeah. export, or maybe third now, I'm not sure. But, you know, we are very dependent on on resource exports mm -hmm. uh, for our wealth. Yeah. And there's no there's no sign that's going to change anytime soon. The world needs our resources. But yeah. if something something did happen, then it'd be a disaster because we have yeah. to pay our way in the world yeah. and we live very well and we ultimately live we well. Yeah. Um, so I think that's the biggest risk for Australia, uh, that you know, basically that resources prices go down. Yeah. For the world, um, you know, that's a harder question, I guess. I mean, for the Western world, I think it's, I think the biggest risk is 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 the hubris and the arrogance of central banks, if you like, for so long have thought that they can manage things. Yeah. And so far, you know, to their credit, they kind of have. Um, but as we discussed earlier. You know, these are uncharted territories now. We've, yeah. you know, we've expanded the money supply so much. Yeah. What happens from here? Yeah. Um, and I think I think that's the biggest risk for the West overall. Yeah. The role of the central bank and what they do going yeah. forward. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's been excellent. Thank you. Oh, thanks very much. No, not at all. Uh, thanks for having me. <laughs> thanks for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoyed the interview with Adam. I certainly enjoyed listening to what he had to say and had a very informed view on what's happening in the economy. So look out for the next episode. Bye for now.